Dear Sir, I am directed by Lord Sidmouth to thank you for the important information contained in Mr. Chippendale's letter of the blank, which strongly confirms the opinion long held by his lordship that your country will not be tranquillized until blood shall have been shed, either by the law or the sword. Lord Sidmouth will not fail to be prepared for either alternative, and is confident that he will be adequately supported by the magistracy of Lancashire. In 1818, Lord Sidmouth's brother, Hiley Addington, permanent under-secretary at the Home Office, and Sidmouth's master of spies, had fallen seriously ill and died. He was replaced by Henry Hobhouse, who had proved his worth in the suppression of the Luddite disturbances of 1812. Hobhouse was a close friend of John Lloyd, who had led the round-up of the Blanketeers in March 1817, and in the months before the Peterloo Massacre, Hobhouse and Lloyd would take the lead in urging a hard line against the reformers. Hobhouse's letter of March 2nd, 1819, to Bolton coal-owner and magistrate, Colonel Ralph Fletcher, was prophetic of the events of the year to come. The wretched conditions of the northern working classes had not been alleviated, and the defeat of the spinner's strike had led more and more to the belief that the only solution to their woes lay in a reform of Parliament that would give them representation. In the first half of the year, reform meetings became more frequent and grew in size. Bagley, Johnston and Drummond were tried and sentenced in May. The Reverend Joseph Harrison was also arrested in July but the Manchester Patriotic Union Society was formed in March with James Rowe, Joseph Johnson, John Saxton and the veteran reformer John Knight amongst its leaders. It was these more moderate reformers who were to organise the meeting at St Peter's Field on August the 16th. Rowe and Johnson were part owners of the weekly Manchester Observer and Saxton was one of its leading writers. The Observer was the main organ of the reformers in the North, and, with a circulation of around 4,000, an effective vehicle for mobilising their supporters. The Manchester Chronicle was the main mouthpiece for the Loyalists. On June the 28th, 20,000 attended a meeting addressed by the Reverend Joseph Harrison and Sir Charles Wolseley at Stockport. A week later, 40,000 attended a meeting at Blackburn. On July the 7th, Lord Sidmouth wrote to the Lord Lieutenant of Chester, urging him to hold the Cheshire Yeomanry in readiness for any disturbances that might arise. My Lord, the numerous public meetings which have lately taken place at Stockport and the adjacent parts of Lancashire, their manifest purposes, and the language which has been held at them, have engaged the serious attention of His Majesty's Government. Your Lordship's presence under these circumstances, in the county of which your Lordship has the charge, cannot but be highly desirable and important, in order that, under your Lordship's authority, the most prompt and effectual means may be adopted for the preservation of the tranquillity of the county of Chester. The utmost vigilance and activity on the part of the magistrates in those districts to which I referred is indispensably and urgently necessary to maintain and enforce, if requisite, obedience to the laws, and to bring to justice those offenders by whom they may be violated. For these purposes it is earnestly hoped that the power of the civil authorities will be fully sufficient, 
but as a measure of precaution, your lordship is desired to give immediate direction to the several corps of yeomanry cavalry in the county of Chester, to hold themselves in readiness to attend to any call for support and assistance, which, in case of necessity, they may receive from the magistrates, and the utmost confidence is justly placed in the zeal and promptitude with which, under such circumstances, the call will be obeyed. I have the honour to be, etc. Sidmouth. On July the 9th, the magistrates called a meeting at which the principal inhabitants of the town, as they called themselves, declared their determination to support the constitution and preserve the public peace. An armed association was formed, later known as the Committee in Aid of the Civil Powers, and several hundred loyalists enrolled as special constables. At a meeting of the principal inhabitants of Manchester, held on the 9th July 1819, the following resolutions passed unanimously. 1. That in the present state of the country, and particularly of this neighbourhood, it is highly expedient to unite in supporting the constitution and laws of the land for the preservation of public peace. 2. That this meeting sincerely regrets the commercial difficulties and embarrassments which, in their melancholy consequences, unhappily afflict the working classes, as well as their employers, whose interests are mutually connected. Yet it should be remembered that these lamentable circumstances are not peculiar to Great Britain. They are experienced on the continent of Europe, and still more seriously in the United States of America whilst Great Britain possesses establishments for relieving the pressure of indigence, more numerous and efficient than are to be found in any other country. 3. That this meeting views with indignation and abhorrence the revolutionary principles now so studiously disseminated through the medium of the press, the formation of schools and societies for inculcating insubordination and sedition, as well as the efforts to extinguish all the obligations and impressions of religion, the scandalous reflections upon the administration of justice, the menaces against the Prince Regent and the constituted authorities, the numerous assemblies in populous districts where these principles are openly avowed, the continued employment of delegates and missionaries who subsist upon the contributions of the poor they are deluding, the plan of sectionary divisions and other well-known arrangements for preparing large bodies to act in concert, the training of these local divisions, the preparation of pikes and other weapons, and the approaching formation of a general union to overturn the constitution of the country under the pretext of a radical reform of Parliament. 4. That to avert the danger which must result from such a system, the cordial cooperation of all good and loyal subjects, without distinction of party, is indispensably necessary. 5. That in conformity with these sentiments, the declaration, now produced and read, be adopted by this meeting, and that it be forthwith signed, and afterwards published, as the committee hereinafter appointed may direct. Declaration. We, the undersigned, being seriously impressed with a sense of the danger which threatens the community from the designs and practices of the disaffected, deem it indispensably necessary to declare our determination to support the constitution of the country 
and to cooperate with the local authorities of these towns for the preservation of the public peace and we do earnestly call upon our fellow townsmen to join us in taking every measure which the urgency of the case may demand to accomplish these most important objects the declaration prompted a swift response from the reformers who issued their own appeal to the inhabitants of manchester not to join the magistrates militia fellow townsmen if you have any regard for truth and justice any regard for yourselves your wives and children pause and think before you act join not the ranks of tyrants and oppressors be not deceived by their professions of keeping the peace have the people ever broke the peace since they became politically enlightened have not the tyrants or their tools repeatedly attempted to provoke them to it but in vain then let no good man enroll himself to cut his starving neighbour's throat at the command of any tyrant whatever let the oppressed keep out of the ranks of the oppressors then the scanty number of the latter will cover them with shame and the former will triumph without a battle oh ye sinking manufacturers and shopkeepers is it the starving labourers who have ruined you or is it dear provisions and high rents and taxes to enrich the hive would you destroy the working bees or the drones take part then with the people in their constitutional endeavours to remove the extravagant and avaricious placemen pensioners sinecurists and aristocratic borough-mongers and then and not till then will plenty and prosperity return to you as the american labourer can earn a bushel of wheat equal to nine or ten shillings per day let every man who cannot earn that sum which our oppressive system alone prevents keep out of the tyrant's core and the success of the people is sure which success will be followed by a state of such general ease and plenty as the eye of modern Englishmen hath not seen, their ear heard, nor hath it entered into their heart to conceive. As you value your present and future welfare, become not the dupes or tools of the oppressors, nor even bid them Godspeed, for those who do so are partakers of their evil deeds. A Reformer N.B. The respectable inhabitants of Bread Street Ward, London, assembled to be sworn in special constables on Saturday last, inquired of the Lord Mayor what kind of service would be required from them, and not receiving a satisfactory answer thereto, refused to put themselves under his Lordship's unconditional disposal. Four major reform meetings were planned for July and August, in Birmingham, Leeds, London and Manchester. Joseph Johnson invited Hunt to speak at the Manchester meeting, and Hunt accepted on condition that it be the largest meeting for reform ever to be held. At the first meeting in Birmingham, Sir Charles Wolseley was symbolically elected as legislatorial attorney for all the unrepresented people of the empire. Hunt was the principal speaker in London, the Reverend Joseph Harrison was also on the hustings, where he was arrested for his comments at the Stockport meeting in June. On July the 30th, George Prince Regent, provoked by the so-called election of Charles Wolseley at the Birmingham meeting, 
saw fit to issue a proclamation urging his majesty's loving subjects to abstain from seditious activity and authorising the magistrates to crack down on the reformers george p r by his royal highness the prince of wales regent of the united kingdom of great britain and ireland in the name and behalf of his majesty a proclamation whereas in diverse parts of great britain meetings of large numbers of his majesty's subjects have been held upon the requisition of persons who or some of whom have together with others by seditious and treasonable speeches addressed to the persons assembled endeavoured to bring into hatred and contempt the government and constitution established in this realm and particularly the commons house of parliament and to excite disobedience to the laws and insurrection against his majesty's authority and whereas it hath been represented unto us that at one of such meetings the persons there assembled in gross violation of the law did attempt to constitute and appoint and did as much as in them lay constitute and appoint a person then nominated to sit in their name and on their behalf in the commons house of parliament and there is reason to believe that other meetings are about to be held for the like unlawful purpose and whereas many wicked and seditious writings have been printed published and industriously circulated tending to promote the several purposes aforesaid and to raise groundless jealousies and discontents in the minds of his majesty's faithful and loyal subjects and whereas we have been further given to understand that with a view of the better enabling themselves to carry into effect the wicked purposes aforesaid in some parts of the kingdom men clandestinely and unlawfully assembled have practised military training and exercises and whereas the welfare and happiness of this kingdom do under divine providence chiefly depend upon a due submission to the laws a just reliance on the integrity and wisdom of parliament and a steady perseverance in that attachment to the government and constitution of the realm which has ever prevailed in the minds of the people thereof and whereas there is nothing which we so earnestly wish as to preserve the public peace and prosperity and to secure all his majesty's liege subjects the entire enjoyment of their rights and liberties we therefore being resolved to repress the wicked seditious and treasonable practices aforesaid have thought fit in the name and on the behalf of his majesty and by and with the advice of his majesty's privy council to issue this our royal proclamation solemnly warning all his majesty's liege subjects to guard against every attempt to overthrow the law and to subvert the government so happily established within this realm and to abstain from every measure inconsistent with the peace and good order of society and earnestly exhorting them at all times and to the utmost of their power to avoid and discountenance all proceedings tending to produce the evil effects above described and we do strictly enjoin all his majesty's loving subjects to forbear from the practice of all such military training and exercise as aforesaid as they shall answer the contrary thereof at their peril 
and we do charge and command all sheriffs justices of the peace chief magistrates of cities boroughs and corporations and all other magistrates throughout great britain that they do within their respective jurisdictions make diligent inquiry in order to discover and bring to justice the authors and printers of such wicked and seditious writings as aforesaid and all who shall circulate the same and that they do use their best endeavours to bring to justice all persons who have been or may be guilty of uttering seditious speeches and harangues and all persons concerned in any riots or unlawful assemblies which on whatever pretext they may be grounded are not only contrary to law but dangerous to the most important interests of the kingdom given at the court at carlton house this thirtieth day of july eighteen hundred and nineteen in the fifty-ninth year of his majesty's reign god save the king harriet martineau and francis bruton take up the story of the manchester meeting at the end of july eighteen nineteen the great meeting planned to be held in St. Peter's Fields on the 9th of August 1819 seems to have originated in a desire on the part of the reformers of the Manchester district to emulate the example set by other towns in the country. The election of Sir Charles Wolseley at Birmingham appears to have suggested a similar proceeding to the reformers of Manchester. Mr. Hunt, we suppose, must have been the person who was to have had the honour of being elected legislatorial attorney for that town. The advertisement which appeared in the Manchester Observer for the 31st of July 1819 ran The public are respectfully informed that a meeting will be held here on Monday the 9th of August 1819 on the area near St Peter's Church to take into consideration the most speedy and effectual mode of obtaining radical reform in the Commons House of Parliament, being fully convinced that nothing less can remove the intolerable evils under which the people of this country have so long groaned and do still groan, and also to consider the propriety of the unrepresented inhabitants of Manchester electing a person to represent them in Parliament and the adopting Major Cartwright's bill. H. Hunt, Esquire, in the chair. Major Cartwright, Sir Charles Wolseley, Mr. Charles Pearson, Mr. Wooler, and Godfrey Higgins, Esquire, have been solicited and are expected to attend. William Ogden, 26 Wood Street. James Broadshaw, 32 Newton Street. William Drinkwater, 29 Loom Street. Thomas Bond, 7 John Street. James Lang, Spinning Street, James Rhodes, 46 Henry Street, Edward Roberts, 2 Ancote Street, Timothy Booth, 1 Little Pitt Street, Thomas Plant, 18 Oak Street, James Weir, 11 Gun Street, Nathan Massey, 2 School Street. Chair to be taken at 12 o'clock. Manchester, July the 23rd, 1819. Note the Borough Reeve magistrates and constables are requested to attend. On the same day, after the meeting, there will be a public dinner at the Union School Rooms, George Lee Street, dinner on the table at five o'clock. Tickets, ten and sixpence each, including all expenses, may be had at Mr. Rose, bookseller, Market Street.
On the very next day, the Manchester Chronicle, a superior Tory organ, published a letter from Lord Sidmouth to the Lord Lieutenant of Cheshire, emphasising the need for the utmost vigilance on the part of the magistrates, on account of the frequent public meetings, and desiring him to give immediate directions to the several corps of yeomanry cavalry, to hold themselves in readiness to attend to any call for support and assistance they may receive from the bench. The magistrates immediately put forth placards, declaring the intended meeting to be illegal, and warning the people to abstain from attending it at their peril. New Bailey Courthouse, whereas it appears by an advertisement in the Manchester Observer paper of this day that a public and illegal meeting is convened for Monday the 9th of August next to be held on the area near St. Peter's Church in Manchester, we the undersigned magistrates, acting for the counties Palatine of Lancaster and Chester, do hereby caution all persons to abstain at their peril from attending such a legal meeting. William Halton, James Norris, John Entwistle, William Marriott, Thomas William Tatton, J. Holm, R. Marsh, Trafford Trafford, Ralph Fletcher, the reformers accordingly decided to take the advice of counsel, and Mr. Saxton, sub-editor of the Observer, was commissioned to proceed to Liverpool and seek legal advice in the matter. He returned with the important ruling that the intention of choosing representatives, contrary to the existing law, tends greatly to render the proposed meeting seditious. To the requisitionists, who signed the notice for the public meeting on Monday next. Fellow citizens, on my return from Liverpool, with the result of the important mission which you did me the honour to confide into my hands, and in the faithful discharge of my duty towards you, and the rest of my fellow citizens, I deem it necessary thus publicly to inform you, that after taking counsel's opinion upon the legality of your public notice, I am instructed by Mr. Raincock to say, that the intention of choosing representatives contrary to the existing law tends greatly to render the proposed meeting seditious. Under those circumstances, it will be deemed justifiable in the magistrates to prevent such meeting. In recommending you to withdraw your notice, and relinquish your intention of meeting your neighbours on the important subjects intended to have been discussed on Monday next, I deem it necessary to state to you, and to the public, that in the opinion of the most enlightened friends to liberty resident in Liverpool, your requisition is perfectly legal and constitutional. They are, nevertheless, induced to recommend this pause in your proceedings, merely in consideration of the cruel threats of violence issued in a paper from the bench of magistrates, since the publication of your notice, and of the evident preparations now making to carry those threats into execution. Footnote. The fact is, the publication issued from the bench parenterally commands all persons to attend the meeting, when a contrary meaning was intended to have been conveyed. I am acquainted with your necessities. I know the honesty of your intentions, and the lawful means you are desirous of pursuing. But in a question of absolute right, you are not prepared to defend yourselves. I therefore do not deem it advisable, under the present circumstances, to subject the persons of yourselves or your friends to the illegal and unconstitutional violence which your oppressors 
and their contemptible tools have prepared for the occasion. The formidable preparations which your tyrants have made to meet you, their unarmed and suffering victims, is the highest compliment in their power to bestow upon you. It is even more than you could hope to gain by the meeting. You therefore may relinquish the objectionable parts of your requisition without regret, or even the shadow of a defeat. Colonel Williams, a county magistrate, had the honest boldness on Monday last, at the Liverpool Quarter Sessions, to advocate your cause, and the cause of the Lancashire Reformers, before his brother magistrates. He confounded the whole bench, not one man being disposed to reply to the constitutional arguments of this faithful and sincere friend of his country. I beg leave to conclude with reminding you, and all the friends of liberty and justice, that our cause grows and gathers strength with the plunderings of our enemies. Whilst their rapacity must not only destroy the means of their own existence, but must, ere long, turn them to the destruction of each other. I am, very faithfully, your obedient servant, J.T. Saxton. Accepting this ruling, the reformers at once abandoned the meeting, and carefully revised their programme. On Wednesday, the 4th of August, the parties who had called the meeting announced in a handbill that it would not take place, but that a requisition would be addressed to the borough reeve and constables, requesting them to convene a meeting at as early a day as possible, to consider the propriety of adopting the most legal and effectual means of adopting reform in the Commons House of Parliament. Public Meeting From the Manchester Observer we, the undersigned inhabitant householders of Manchester, having given notice of a public meeting intended to have been held here on Monday the 9th August 1819 on the area near St Peter's Church, which notice was published in the Manchester Observer of Saturday last, 31st July, do hereby respectfully inform the public that, after a mature consideration of all circumstances, we deem it prudent to acquaint the public that such meeting will not at that time take place, and respectfully recommend to our fellow townsmen and neighbours to relinquish their intentions of attending that meeting for the specific purpose expressed in the advertisement. Our guardians of the public peace, having in massy placards and large letters declared the said meeting to be illegal, and commanded the people to abstain from attending the said meeting at their peril, although these guardian angels did not deign to inform the public wherein such illegality consisted, yet in compliance with their mandate, and to give them no just ground of opposition or offence, it has been deemed advisable not to hold such meeting, but to request the borough reeve and constables to convene another, which requisition now lies but will only lie this day for signatures at the Observer Office, and at number 49, Great Ancut Street. William Ogden, 26 Wood Street. James Bradshaw, 32 Newton Street. William Drinkwater, 29 Loom Street. Thomas Bond, 7 John Street. James Lang, Spinning Street. Joseph Rhodes, 46 Henry Street. Edward Roberts, to Ancut Street. Timothy Booth, 1 Little Pitt Street. Thomas Plant, 18 Oak Street. 
James Weir, 11, Gun Street. Nathaniel Massey, 2, School Street. The following is a copy of the requisition, now remaining for signatures at the Observer Office, and 49 Great Ancott Street. To the Borough Reeve and Constables of Manchester. We, whose names are hereunto subscribed, request that you will convene a meeting, at as early a day as possible, to consider the propriety of adopting the most legal and effectual means of obtaining a reform in the Commons House of Parliament. This requisition was numerously signed in the course of the day. On its prayer being refused by the magistrates, the parties who had originally moved in the matter gave notice that the meeting would take place in St. Peter's Field on Monday the 16th. It was intimated that Mr. Hunt would take the chair. Manchester Public Meeting a requisition having been presented to the Borough Reeve and Constables of Manchester, signed by above 700 inhabitant householders in a few hours, requesting them to call a public meeting to consider the propriety of adopting the most legal and effectual means of obtaining a reform in the Commons House of Parliament, and they having declined to call such meeting. Therefore, the undersigned requisitionists give notice that a public meeting will be held on the area near St. Peter's Church for the above-mentioned purpose on Monday, the 16th instant, the chair to be taken by H. Hunt, Esquire, at 12 o'clock. Major Cartwright, Mr. Wooler, Mr. Pearson, Mr. Carlyle, Dr. Crompton, Edward Rushton, Mr. J. Smith, Mr. Thomas Smith will be invited to attend this meeting. The organisers of the Manchester meeting seemingly forgot to inform Henry Hunt of its postponement, and Hunt arrived in Stockport a week early on August the 8th. At first intending to return south, he was persuaded by Johnson and Saxton to remain, and made a triumphant entrance into the town of Manchester on the 9th. Hunt spent the following week as Joseph Johnson's guest at Smedley Cottage in North Manchester. Tensions ran high in the week before the meeting. The authorities feared violence from the reformers, while the reformers feared an unprovoked attack from the authorities. Hearing that some of the delegations to the meeting intended to carry arms for self-defence, Hunt published his own call for a peaceful protest in the Manchester Observer. To the inhabitants of Manchester and neighbourhood, fellow countrymen, our enemies are exulting at the victory they profess to have obtained over us, in consequence of the postponement for a week of the public meeting intended to have been held on Monday last. The editor of the London Courier, although he admits we are only checked, not subdued, appears to be as much rejoiced as if he and his co-adjutors had for a time escaped unhurt from the effects of an earthquake or some other great national calamity. His bloodthirsty imitators of the local press of Manchester cannot disguise the fears of their employers, although I am informed that they attempt to do it by resorting to the most vulgar and impotent abuse. To reply to any of their malignant and contemptible efforts would only tend to drag them forth for a moment from their natural insignificance and obscurity. Therefore, you will bestow on their petty exertions the most perfect indifference, for as they are beneath your anger, so you will not even suffer them to attract your notice. 
you will meet on Monday next, my friends, and by your steady, firm and temperate deportment, you will convince all your enemies. You feel that you have an important and an imperious public duty to perform, and that you will not suffer any private consideration on earth to deter you from exerting every nerve to carry your praiseworthy and patriotic intentions into effect. The eyes of all England, nay, of all Europe, are fixed upon you, and every friend of real reform and of rational liberty is tremblingly alive to the result of your meeting on Monday next. Our enemies will seek every opportunity, by the means of their sanguinary agents, to excite a riot, that they may have a pretense for spilling our blood, reckless of the awful and certain retaliation that would ultimately fall on their heads. Every friend of real and effectual reform is offering up to heaven a devout prayer that you may follow the example of your brethren of the metropolis, and by your steady, patient, persevering and peaceable conduct on that day, prostrate their hellish and bloody purpose. Come then, my friends, to the meeting on Monday, armed with no other weapon but that of a self-approving conscience, determined not to suffer yourselves to be irritated or excited by any means whatsoever to commit any breach of the public peace. Our opponents have not attempted to show that our reasoning is fallacious or that our conclusions are incorrect by any other argument but the threat of violence, and to put us down by the force of sword, bayonet, and the cannon. They assert that your leaders do nothing but to mislead and deceive you, although they well know that the eternal principles of truth and justice are too deeply engraven on your hearts, and that you are at length become, fortunately for them, too well acquainted with your own rights ever again to suffer any man or any faction to mislead you. We hereby invite the Borough Reeve or any of the nine wise magistrates who signed the proclamation declaring the meeting to have been held on Monday last illegal, <laughs> and threatening at the same time all those who abstained from going to the said meeting. We invite them to come amongst us on Monday next. If we are wrong, it is their duty as men, as magistrates and as Christians to endeavour to set us right by argument by reason, and by the mild and irresistible precepts of persuasive truth. We promise them an attentive hearing, and to abide by the results of conviction alone. But once for all we repeat that we despise their threats, and abhor and detest those who would direct or control the mind of man by violence or force. I am, my fellow countrymen, your sincere and faithful friend, Henry Hunt. Smedley Cottage, Wednesday, August the 11th, 1819. So God bless Henry Hunt, me boys, with Henry Hunt we'll go. We'll mount the cap of liberty, in spite of Nady Joe.